The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Uh-oh. 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 It's the Captain Show. The Ticket 93.7. Vershawn Jackson is in the building and joining me in the studio. None other than an itty-bitty receiving committee member, Aaron Davis. What's happening, V? How in the world did y'all start the itty-bitty receiving committee? You know, I was listening to you guys um, a couple days ago talk about it, too. I honestly think it was either Abdul or Coach Brown that started it. And it was Corey Dixon, I think, was talking on Monday, I believe, about it. And I think it came from either Coach Brown or Abdul that came up with it, actually. Because, you know, they always had those little, little names and stuff they'd come up with. In particular, Abdul would all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and Coach Brown would too. But I think, it was, uh, I think it was Abdul that came up with it or Coach Brown, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Well, what, I mean, give us – first of all, let me just stop for a minute. You are from Lincoln. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. Back in that space, what was your – ideology of Nebraska football? Well, I've been running around Nebraska football, the stadium, since about 83. You know, because my older brother Mark uh, was an equipment manager for the football team when he was in college. And so I'd been at that stadium for a long time. And it was, you know, I was not um, it wasn't anything new to me. Uh, It was just more of a way of growing up, which made the the ties and the roots even that much deeper, though. You know, Um, in fact, Coach Solich gave my first real job. I was the the ball boy for the Big Red Football School. Wow. When they had those back in the day, man. So Frank really uh, helped me start getting that cheddar <laughs> at a young age. But my impression was, man, it was it was something that it was just like – it was like meat and potatoes, man. It just went together, man. Uh, now, I, I remember back in high school being a – I think I was a couple of years – at least a year behind you for sure. Yeah. And we had a track meet at Lincoln Southeast or Lincoln High. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, yeah. We had a track meet there, and, and I got a picture that I've got to dig up. i got to find it. Mm-hmm. If I think me, you, Stokes, it was oh, a bunch, of, bunch us. of us. That yeah, was in the final of the 100. And uh, you don't think about that stuff back then of how important those, those types of competition were. Mm-hmm. But to look back now being an older guy and say, mm-hmm. there's four or five dudes that went to Nebraska that's in that picture. Yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about recruiting, right, because you were from Lincoln, Mm -hmm. was it I'm going to Nebraska or was it I'm going to Nebraska? Which one was it for you? It wasn't even even something I had to think about. You know, and I wasn't like a lot of the guys that were highly decorated recruits. You know, I was a walk-on that – turn down scholarships to smaller schools you know air force academy was a division one scholarship i had but i wasn't going because after after the air force you play your four years you also have to do your military time mm-hmm. and i had two older brothers in the military it's like man i don't know if you really cut out for this bro I mean, it's not once you're done you're not done in fact john onahal the former southeast standout okay you know went and played at uh air force and had a heck of a career there and was my recruiting uh guy that kind of just kind of talked me into it i just wasn't feeling air force uh, Colorado State, it's when Sonny Lubick, I think, was the coach there. Uh, Walden at Iowa State recruited me. You know, I, those schools literally couldn't give tickets away. In fact, on my recruiting trip to K-State, they literally could not give tickets away downtown Manhattan to go to the game. Oh, I mean, downtown Manhattan? Downtown. Like 
two blocks on two blocks street. two blocks and in I and out done absolutely and to you know and to be around i think for me to be around a program like nebraska for so long and then you measured it compared to these other programs it'd be like oh it's, it wasn't even an option for me yeah. you know that wasn't even something i thought about i'm not knocking anybody else who does but for me it was it was always nebraska i talked to coach mcbride yesterday me and you both. I know I was on scout team for two years, and 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 I know whole I career. Worked, I, <laughs> <laughs> this is another one of my scout team all Americans here. Okay, AD was part of the best scout team to ever be assembled <laughs> at the University fun, of man. Nebraska because we turn getting our butts whooped into a competition of yeah. can could can we get five yards against the yeah. black shirts? Yeah. Can we actually score? I think Jock probably got more touchdowns. Oh. Against the against the black shirts than anybody, and then spike the ball, or throw it out of the, or the throw, stadium. Just throw it out, just throw it out. I talked to Baron Miles today, and the one thing that uh, he, he he we My brought me, yeah, I brought that. We brought that up. He'll be on next Friday. Nice. So nice. You, clear your schedule off, man. I'm gonna definitely so you can be here for that one. Right, I'll check it. But but I was talking to Baron Miles, and and we were we was talking about Jock and and and. He said, Coach McBride, would, some of the guys would get mad because Jock would be spiking the ball and clowning and throwing the ball all over the place and, and doing after he make a catch. And he said, Coach McBride was like, well, stop him then. Don't let him score. Don't let him score. How important was scout team back then? You know, scout team, John Reese, former uh, cornerback, number six, John went on to play uh, for the Rams for a few years and mm-hmm. a few other teams of the pros. But John Reese said something years ago to me. He goes, you know, had we not getting that, that look from you guys on scout team, had you guys not taken it serious – we wouldn't have been as prepared on Saturdays. We took a thing. It was it was a pride thing for us. You know, we weren't the superstars. We weren't the starters. You know, our highlights was going to be on, you know, Monday through Thursday. You know, maybe get some time after you know the game's out of hand. But we took we took pride in that. And I think there was a, it was in our DNA. Yourself, me, and all the guys you've mentioned uh, before, the guys you've had the registration before. We didn't play at Nebraska. We played for Nebraska. In regards to where you listed up on that death chart, you took pride in that thing, man. And because there were older guys that taught us in the Nebraska way of how to do things. Because how you do some things is how you do everything. And so that was the mentality. We were on scout team, first team, and in between. Uh, we took pride in that. We played for Nebraska. How important, though, is what you said the older guys taught you? How important is that? You know, all of us have pictures. We have photo albums at our houses of grandfathers, grandmothers, our lineage. And they told us about them, the hardships, uh, things they had to overcome, et cetera, and how to take pride in the DNA that pumps through your veins and who you are. The older Huskers taught us that. That's why when Coach McBride was sharing about the black shirt story yesterday, you know, the black shirts, a lot of them, many of them know that story. Even if they don't know that story per se, they know um, uh, how special it is to get that black shirt. There were guys were crying when they got their black shirts mm-hmm. because it meant that much. Because the older guys pass that down, that tradition. Mm. If we don't know about our heritage, we don't appreciate it. If we don't know about our great-great-grandparents and they'd ever come, we don't appreciate as much right now. If the younger guys today don't understand how much it meant to play at Nebraska, whether you're on the offensive side or defensive ball, you don't appreciate as much. You're just playing at Nebraska and not for. And it shows up in every faucet of the game. Who was the guy who – and we'll, we'll, we'll answer this after the break, but who was the guy – who you didn't want to see at practice? What black shirt kind of had your number? When we get back, Sider Haven text line is open. Aaron Davis is with me, 464-5685. Same thing, Honda Lincoln hotline. Give us a call. The ticket, 93.7. I'm the captain. This is 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah! Hey, AD. What you know about this? Go ahead, go ahead, Nick. That's the Nick dance. Nick, he, he, I, I, I've been on, listening Nick. to you, man. That's the Nick dance. Part-time lover. Hey, D, was you a dancer? You know, 
I dabbled. Just was in the club, just kind of swaying. Dabbled. All you gotta do is this. Swaying. He got his shoulders going. All you gotta do is this. You ain't gotta be complicated. <laughs> so I'm Notre Dame. It's not work out. Aaron, how has social media affected the student athlete of today? VJ, I got two boys that are in college. Aiden, little AD, is in his second semester of law school here at UNL Law. Uh, Keenan's a senior here at the University of Nebraska. Got a daughter who's a senior at Lincoln Southwest. I these kids grew up with a screen or screens plural. And the question I would always ask them, and I ask student athletes around the country when I'm speaking at different college football teams, et cetera, and college students, and I ask them same thing. I ask my own kids, what would your grades look like if you studied with the same type of magnitude and intensity you do with social media, the oh. likes, the hashtags? Uh, the filters, et cetera. What would your the academic, Instagram, the, the Twitter, Instagram, the Twitter, Twitter, the Facebook, TikToks, number the one TikTok, right now. the Twitch, yeah. the YouTube. I will see them edit dance moves. Well, we got to get this right. Okay, if you were that meticulous with something that's non-consequential to your academic success or athletic success for the most part, what would your game look like? What would your weight, um, your weight, your workouts look like? What would your academic report cards look like if you went with that same intensity to the things that actually matter. Do I know it's a part of it? Yes. But it's taken too much a part of their time and attention, in my opinion. Uh, great analogy. I mean, these, this day and age, I'm guilty of it. I, think I am too. We're all guilty of it now. They've changed us into a, a, a cell phone mentality where we got our TVs with us, where we got our information right Everything. out of our hands. We can get, we can find anything with these boxes. And I think it is taking a, it's starting to take a toll on the mentality of the new new age student athlete. Mm-hmm. Because now it's more about likes. It's more about who's watching me. It's did I get 15,000 followers or hits or whatever the case may be. And instead, like you said, if they put that same energy mm-hmm. into working out, yep. that means if that's the case, that means they're going to be working out all the time. Absolutely. If you put that type of energy into film work, Mm-hmm. That means you're going to be watching film all the time. All the guys that I know that, that spend so much time on these video games, Rico and, and, and Nick and Terrell Farley, <laughs> all this, they spend all this time on them video games. I always say, if you spent the hour, two hours that you spent on a video game, if you spent a quarter of that time doing push-ups, you'd be in shape. It's hmm. a lot of truth to it. You know, I, and I know everybody got their way to vent and how they do things and just kind of decompress, et cetera. But I, I look at, man, if they're, they're in fascination with likes on social media, their fascination with getting the right filters, et cetera, and changing things. Are you that meticulous with your grades? Are you that meticulous with your workouts, your diet as a student athlete? You know, those are the things that really hit that matter, you know. Speaking of diet, AD, I, I mean, I I played with you and, and – you know, you were you were nice size back then. You were in shape back then, but you probably was what one eighty five. Oh, that might have been soaking wet. About one eighty. One eighty. This version of AD would have played at Nebraska. <laughs> this guy, this guy would have played at Nebraska. Hey, the other guy, <laughs> the other guy played, but this guy would have played. Hey, at Nebraska. You know what Coach Osborne, quick story, you know what Coach Osborne did one time? I was working out one time. We were at the same gym, and this is probably about six, seven years ago. Man, I'm about 225 at this point for some crazy reason, just lifting like crazy. Coach Osborne's jogging by, and he stops and looks. Hey, D, uh, if you would have looked like this, you might have played a little bit back then. <laughs> and just took off and kept running. Didn't say another word, man. <laughs> Ah, great minds think alike. You look good, man. I appreciate it, man. I mean, I know you. You know you. You had your bouts, and yeah, man. Talk about because because I know how much your father meant to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, how big of a role model did he play in your life, and why is it important to have a dad? You know, my father, like I was telling you, he's been gone about 50, 57 days now, 58. Counting the days. Yeah, man. It just, it always hits you. You know, whether I always remember that, I don't know, but November 28th of 2021, so just a uh, short while ago, he passed away unexpectedly. And my father, man, was my hero. He was my idol. Uh, he was my rock. When I lost my mom in 2014, when you figure, 
you know, well, I still got my pops here. And if it had been vice versa, I would have still said I got my mom's here. But to be at 47 and have no parents left, I mean, it, it's sobering. It's humbling. Um, so to, to be honest with you, the, the, it's still surreal to me because it hasn't really set in yet. But it's, it's, it's very important to have a father figure, someone like a father figure in your life. And uh, because I know that he helped shape and mold the man that I am and my kids, you know, my, my brothers and sisters, you know, obviously not perfect man by any stretch, but just, you know, I had a template of what it looks like. And Coach Osborne mentioned something uh, a few weeks ago in a conversation with him that in the 60s and 70s when they were recruiting, the mom and the dad were home. About the 80s, it began to change. And in the 90s, it was rarely you had the father there. It was at grandmother's house or auntie's house and uh, needed those role, father role, those father figures, and those role models. My dad was pivotal for that for me because here's a man that never made a lot of money but never complained, you know, taught himself how to read. You know, wow. he became a man of faith when he moved to Nebraska in 63 and um, just was a re- lived a remarkable life, man. Just a, a truly humble, godly man and just so uh, left huge footprints, but more of just a legacy uh, of what a man is supposed to look like. So, man, yeah, he's horribly missed. But, you know, now the dust has kind of settled. You know, the funeral arrangements are done and the f- you've been, we've put him at rest and et cetera. Now you have to deal with the reality of it that he's there's several times I've went to pick up my phone to call my pops and like, oh. Can't do that. Anymore. What's something that he taught you that you taught your son? I would oh, there's oh, there's so many lessons I, I can teach, I, man. I, 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 so many lessons. You know, one of the simplest things, man. I would say, um, it's just family. He would always stress, no matter what, you look out for each other. You know, when my brother was killed in '09, uh, my oldest brother, my mom and dad put us. There were six of us total, just huddled us together and says, "We always told you, no matter what, you look out for family. You stick together." You know, there's been funerals to where people won't even talk to each other. Families because of, you know, a house or some property or something financial, et cetera. Ours went as smooth as can be. There was no hiccups. No one aching and moaning about who's getting it. We just weren't raised that way, man. And that was because of the, influ- uh, the influence of my dad and my mom and my boys, although they're in college and just 21 months apart, and my daughter, who's younger than those guys by five years. Those three kids are thick as thieves, man. You know, that's something that – me and my wife are grateful about because they are tight. And of course, growing up, they had their arguments, et cetera, but those boys are tight. That's and, – and we had that same closeness, tightness at Nebraska when we were there. Yes. That's why 20-something years later, 28 years later, 29 years later, mm-hmm. here we are, radio station, still – you know, I told you I talked to the Bear Mouse, the Mike Minners. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times people and fans will say, well, VJ, how you connected? Who's getting your guests for you? And do you – these are relationships. relationships. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, that's what we have to get back to. Yeah. Understanding that it's family first. Yeah. You know what I mean? From Scott all the way down to the equipment guy. You guys yeah. are family. That's right. And the only how you get it going is that everybody has to feel like they're part of the family. Yeah. You yeah. got all types of different people in a family. Well, you, VJ, that's a great point in that you think about you had Abdul Muhammad and Johnny Vedrill, a guy from Gregory, South Dakota, and a guy from Compton, California. Wow. There were sometimes roommates, you know, on road trips, things like that, to where Coach Osborne was way before his time as far as bringing guys from different backgrounds and different experiences together for one common goal. You know, although we wore, uh, played different positions, we all understood we all had the end on our helmet, and that meant something to us. You know, that we may not always agree, we may fight in practice, but afterwards, fact some of the guys fighting in practice were roommates me and tyrone got into it all the time tyrone williams baron miles and we lived together you know me baron uh tyrone williams and tommy frazier now we would talk trash to them all the time Mm -hmm. and sometimes we get heated and you know them scout team man i mean it would get feisty and feroce there were brawls out there sometimes (laughs) man and then you go in the locker room and laugh about it but that was the type of intensity to your point family because families do fight yeah you know, because if there's never no fights, somebody ain't being honest. Somebody's holding something in. We didn't hold things in. We let it out there. We dealt with it. We played with it. And actually, we kind of used it as fuel. Because when we seen a different color uniform, it was all she wrote. Well, it's like my, I got a twin brother. And, mm-hmm. and we were out on vacation. We went to go see my uncle in Seattle. And me and him, I don't, we were just at it. You know what I'm saying? We're fraternal twins. I don't know if it's that Cain and Abel syndrome. But <laughs> it's, something was going on here. And, we, and my uncle had enough. Right. And he's like, see that part? You go out there and y'all fight and don't come back till you got it out. Right. <laughs> Why did he tell us that? We both came back. We were both busted up. Yep. Let me tell you, that was the worst fight I've ever had in my life. Yep. Family. Was with my brother. Mm-hmm. And I learned from that that I never want to fight him again. <laughs> 
And we've never fought. And, 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 and we didn't even hit in the face. Right. But we just fought so fiercely. Yeah. And I think that's what made us great at Nebraska was that in practice we fought oh, each man. other fiercely. Fierce. But then when we were off the field, we loved each other. I was telling Baron, I said, Baron, you know me. I never really – I worked out with the office of linemen. Right. Because I seen them on them, you know, Brendan Stye and, 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 and Graham and all them guys yeah. on those big old weights, and I wanted to get a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I worked out with the defensive backs. Right. The Tony Velas, the Mike Minners, yep. the Baron Miles. I hung with the black shirts. I had right. a black shirt mentality just on offense. Right. But it just showed you that it didn't matter what group I was with, I was still able to tra- – our friendship transcended whatever group we were a part right. of. That's a great point. That's a great point. Transcended everything. Where so, you're from, background, et cetera. Absolutely. So, you know, there's a there's a bowl game trip, and I wasn't going to – listen, we're not going to get all the way into it. <laughs> but Mr. A.D., <laughs> Mr. Conversationalist, Mr. I got the word for all y'all, <laughs> is – I love this guy because, A.D., you are always excited about being around us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the good times, the bad times, you, even though you didn't play, you know, per se, mm-hmm. when I say play, you played, but you it had an intricate part. Mm-hmm. And without you, we don't win. Mm-hmm. That, that's the part yeah. that people are missing. Yeah. That we had guys like you mm-hmm. who said, I'm not going to to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to K-State even. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Nebraska. This is where I'm from. I love my team. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't play, I'm going to give it 150%. Yeah. How yeah. did you have that mentality? Well, a lot of that started with my dad. Again, one of those less, lessons you talked about, you know, uh, stick-to-itiveness, you know, loyalty to a program. Um, you – Leaving someplace else wasn't an option. And I'm not knocking anyone who does, but for me, I can only speak for myself, wasn't. And the way that the culture that Coach Osborne and his team created down there, you know, you look about the longevity of his staff, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think during our tenure of any coach. I mean, there was very little. Coach ter- Steele. That was the only one. Only one. You know, that was the only one. Coach Steele. You know, Coach Osborne just had a uh, a cohesive staff. So there was stability that was there. And it helps when you're winning, too. You know, it helps when you're winning. But you think about it. Even before we won in 94, there were people that weren't satisfied with nine, ten games winning the season. Oh, folks would take that in a heartbeat, you know, right now. But it was because of the culture that Coach Osborne established down there. And I know culture is a big buzzword today. Everybody established culture. Well, people establish culture. What is culture? Culture is the way you do everything. It's, it's, it's an aura about a building. It's the way things are done. You know, I remember hearing the story at a presentation I was speaking at one time, and the late Bill Walsh was sharing. And when he took over the 49ers, they were terrible, you know, terrible. He started with the smallest things like the equipment room in the locker room. And he was telling one of his, um, uh, one of his uh, assistant coaches, he goes, I want the guys back in here to make sure this locker room is picked up in a certain way. Looked at him like, Coach, why would you do that? He goes, because how we do small things translates to how we do big things. Hence, run it again. Run it again. Those are the run it again moments in your program. If things aren't done the right way, it's going to show in a clutch. Whether it's in the classroom, whether it's off the field, whether it's during, you know, third and four, somebody jumps offside. Those small things become big things in crucial moments. That's why, and we had Dave Remington on the show a few weeks ago in the evening. He goes, I can't remember even very many times we were offsides. Because how you do little things is how you end up doing big things in consequential moments. That's why we always heard run it again. In fact, we knew if it wasn't done precisely right, we knew we was going to run it again. And you are going to get lit up because they already knew the play. Yeah, you're going to get blown up. during the game time, though, you were going to correct that mistake, which seemed like a small thing becomes a big thing in the game. Well, there was times when us as scout team, we, we just – we dominated the black shirts sometimes. Oh, yeah. There were times okay. we let them have it. There were times it. we let them have it, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to go into Friday thinking, we're going to get beat. 
Remember, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, because the plays that we were running against, they, 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 we had so many running again moments that I'm like, dude, there's just no way we're winning the game. They can't stop us. Yeah. They got to play the, the real guys. Right. And they can't stop us. Yeah. They get in the game and they stop it all. Yeah, everything. You know, and, and repetition. Yes. How you do things. Hmm. See, I think that's something that's missing. How we did things. The small things. The small things. Mm -hmm. You know, jogging, when you hit the football field, I never knew us to walk. No. <laughs> I never knew us to, to – to, to, that's a small thing, yep. yet it's big. Mm -hmm. I never – I never. if somebody got hurt on the field, unless it was an injury, they made it – they made a, They found a way to get to the sideline and fall out over there. You know what? This would have been – your freshman year or the year before you got there, Abdul Muhammad got cracked ribs against Miami. Remember that? He, he cracked his ribs. Mm -hmm. I think it was against Miami. I think it was, was it Miami or Florida State. One of those teams, he got cracked ribs. Abdul hops up, goes to the sideline, jogs to the side, then collapsed. Then collapsed. So we talked to Abdul. Abdul will tell you what game it was. I don't know if it was Miami or Florida State, but at cracked ribs, no one even knew except our silent crew because he was not going to let them see him hurt. Yeah. And, and we – we got trained on that. Oh yeah, on don't let them see you down. Mm -mm. Remember, so remember we were we, we, we were working out, and, and and we'll touch on this here in a minute. But we, we were working out, and the one thing that we couldn't do is put our hands on our knees no. and go down. Mm -mm. You had to stand up tall, put your hands on top of your head, but you will not go down to knees. a knee because it was a sign of weakness. Yep. The ticket ninety three point seven. The captain. You remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that? I can still see Abdul saying that Do right now. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that? You went that? way back on that one, man. 1993. <laughs> I will never forget it. We beat Oklahoma. Yeah. And that was the song that Target was played that in the locker room. And it didn't matter if you were white or black. It didn't matter. Everybody was in there saying, "Tired of getting stepped on." What what, what day? Tired what, of getting stepped what month on. Did you beat Oklahoma in '93? Huh? What day? What month did you beat Oklahoma in '93? How would I know the day and the month? I, do you know the month? It's always November. It, it's all yeah. It's always November, at the November. end. Early late November. Yeah. Okay, I was probably probably like, Thanksgiving. -ish. Okay. Oh, I was like a week old. Oh, snap. <laughs> you know, that's wrong, man. Him and Big Sky be doing that to us, bro. I got I, I, literally, I, literally, I, I got literally jackets from Nebraska older than you, bro. I know. <laughs> hey, that's the wrong. plane, the plane. That was a good one, Rico. Yeah, that was a good you, you one. I thought he was going to say something like just, you know, astonishing. He goes, yeah, I was one week old. Yeah, well, he was about a week old, depending on, depending on the day. Oh, snap. November 93. <laughs> November 18th. That was a good oh, man, one. Man, bro. AAD, you're old. I'm sorry. <laughs> you might have, depending, you know. He said AD. I'm sorry, on the AD. Damn thing, if it was the 23rd, my wife was just being born. AD, you're pushing oh, 50, AD. Man. I'm sorry, brother. Yeah, man, even, though you don't, even though you don't look old. <laughs> and every every time, so so when you, when you got your show here, I mentioned it to my in-laws. And they live up in Orchard, and they're like, "Yeah, he came up here and he did a speech one time at a Clearwater or at Orchard High School." Or I know exactly there. where it's at. They had a stand at the cabin right by the lake, man. Mm -hmm. And my boy, in fact, it was just my old. Was it? Wait a minute. My boys were young, and my Naya, she's seventeen. I think she's like six, seven months old. And I, I still remember that Clearwater Orchard, man. Mm -hmm. Beautiful area up there, man. It's amazing. I love it up there. So that's where you're from? No, that's where my wife is from. Okay, that's cool. That's where my in-laws, they, they, you know, every time I mention, they're like, hey, he did a speech up here. It was great. We, we love him. Man, I had a great time up there. Good people. Hey, and good food, man. That beef. What? That's what for dinner. Yeah. AD speaks. AD, let's talk about that a little bit. I've always, I've always said, golly, boy, that AD goes everywhere. He motivates people. How did you use what you learned at Nebraska to catapult your career in speaking? You know, 
Coach Osborne, I don't know if I motivate him. <laughs> I hope so. Stop it, AD. I hope so. Stop. You know, you get the you get the, you get the going, AD. They get the, you get excited. <laughs> AD, you probably haven't been there. Hey, clap your hands. We're gonna play some Simon Says to see who listens. Clap your hands. Simon didn't say. See, you're not listening. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of fun. It's something that de- I didn't definitely see happening. Uh, Coach Osborne and Coach Brown were pivotal in that making that happen. Um, it kind of all started with Coach Osborne. Uh, Coach Brown asked me to come speak with a group in Seward. And I was like, nah, I don't want to go out and speak. Speak about what? You know, <laughs> you know, I was in school, you know, finishing up school. And he goes, being part of a championship experience. I said, okay, I could do that. You know, younger kids, FCA, which really cool, you know, organization, ministry in town. I was like, I can do that. And then I enjoyed it. Then there was a group that asked me to speak again because shortly after that, a very good friend of mine uh, was murdered. Domestic violence incident. Mike Pleskotch, um girlfriend killed him in our house. Jeez. Yeah. And so that was brutal. And I had groups call me to come ask about, speak about domestic violence. That was like six months after he passed. I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. Went met with Coach Osborne. I said, Coach, I, there's these groups asking me to, you know, do more speakings. I was ready, but not to talk about that, but talk about, you know, being a member of a championship team. I said, well, how do I even do this? So Coach Osborne gave me a lot of good pointers, a lot of tutelage, opened a lot of doors. Also a good mentor of mine. He's retired now. His name was Max Callen. He was a, a friend of the program for years. Really gave me some some good ideas and tips of how to you know share with an audience, high school students, college students, and Coach Brown, of course. And it just kind of took off from there, man. What, what, what are some of the places you've spoken? Like what, what's your most memorable speech and to who? That Most many memorable speech and how long you been doing it? Uh, since ninety seven, you know. So I've been doing it since ninety eight, actually. So I've been doing it a long time. Uh, been to all states except Hawaii to speak in. Uh, was in Alaska two years ago. Spoke for the Alaska Broadcasters Association out there, man. Um, I don't know about most memorable. I can tell you the toughest one is after my mom passed away. I still wouldn't spoke for a group, and just to kind of just mentally. You know, just kind of just tap out, you know, try and encourage someone else. Because my parents always said, you know, when, you, um, 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 when you're hurting, go help other hurting people. You know, so that's what I tried to do through this. That one sticks out the most was going to do that. But, man, I've had a lot of good, good events, man, a lot of fun ones. One I've spoken down in – I was in Tupelo, Mississippi, bro. Tupelo. Listen, Tupelo. My, my, I got people from Tupelo. Tupelo. Our, my people own a lot of that town in Tupelo. So there is a – let me see if you know this. There is a – a uh, hair, what do you call those that we have here in Lincoln? Hair salons? Or? It, it's a salon, but the, the school, a college. Oh, college. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember seeing a college in Tupelo? You know, I don't. I was basically just right downtown. It's kind of like K-State. But it's like. a very progressive small town. And I didn't realize this. It's the home of Elvis Presley actually was born there. Tupelo, you want to win this, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to win? So that was, I was go? speaking there, bro, and the lights went out while I was talking. Really? The power went out. And there's a big audience out there. So I just turned on my cell phone light and just shined it on myself and just kept speaking, man. You know, we just adjust. The great ones adjust on the fly. If you had a chance to speak to the team, what would you say? I would share the same things I'm sharing with you right now. Are you playing at Nebraska? Are you playing for Nebraska? And there's a major difference. And it shows. You know, it shows because it's, it's, it's not just a uniform you put on. Because uh, you can take that off. It's something that's inside. You know, it pumps in your blood. It gets in your DNA. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you have the uniform on or not. Every time we and you, and Erwin right here as well, when we put anything with an N on it, whether we have it on or not, it still bleeds, man. It's still in us. It just We're immersed in it. And I always say that, that we don't uh, – it's funny that we can be so far removed yet feel like we're still in the stadium. Mm-hmm. We still feel like we're a part yeah. of – the stadium mm-hmm. of, of what was going on right now today. So sometimes it's kind of hard to unplug from that, especially when we're losing, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to unplug from the stadium and say, okay, wait a minute. I'm getting too emotional. When I'm watching the game and something crazy happens, I want to take the TV yeah. off the wall <laughs> oh, yeah. and That's... blow it into a thousand pieces. Yep. You're getting too emotional. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's some things that have to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. in order. So it is – the transfer portal and NIL ruining college football? College football now has become free agency, in my opinion. You know, it goes to the bit, you know, go to the highest bidder, et cetera. However, 
you look about the NCAA, I'm, I'm going to play pro, both sides of this real fast. You think about this. NCAA basketball, for years, that tournament alone makes over a billion dollar with a B. A billion with a B. Those players see none of that money. Do I think there needs to be some compensation for the amount of money? I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars with a B that's being thrown around. Absolutely. Do there need to be some sort of uh, checks and balances? Yes. This thing has kind of come out like Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, you know, it's just you the know it's, it got value, but you don't know what it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west right now. Um, so I think there needs to be some compensation. Absolutely. Because sometimes people forget when these college athletes come in, they're like, well, they're getting a They're getting education. Yeah. But somebody they're getting education. Six hundred bucks a month, eight hundred bucks a month, give or take. When that's talking is, about now or are you talking about oh, when, back in the day? <laughs> yeah, no, you guys, wouldn't get no six hundred. No, no, I'm saying you back back in the day, you guys three hundred and sixteen dollars a month. Oh, now here's man. the point on that. Some of these guys and gals that come into school, right? People say what they want. Some of these young men and young women have kids of their own. And it's also hard to get them to go wait. That's like, wait a minute. They have kids of their own. Then they're saying, How my parents are gonna afford to come watch me even play? It's, now, people can say what they want, but a kid that's from, let's say, a, a Florida, he can go to Florida, Florida State, make his money right there, make our money there. Or we can get him come to Nebraska. Before the NIL kicked in, it's like, well, man, how am I going to afford to even get home? Mm-hmm. Little NIL money, give him a stipend for mom and dad to come up, care of it is. Little something for their kids that are growing up here. Because that's a reality in today's day and age. It always has been. What do you mean? Well, listen, not just in today's day and age. Always because if been. you remember – when I came to the University of Nebraska, my daughter was yes, with me. Absolutely. Okay? Always has been. This is a little bitty girl yeah. in 1993 Always when I came been. to Nebraska. You know, like six, seven, eight months old. And you've done a heck of a job, and, too, bro. And, I mean, she's solid. Thank you, man. She's I, solid. You know, I'm a grandpa and now. That, and that's a reality. Three-time winner, boy. <laughs> Three funny. little girls, boy. Bam. Listen, girls. I call them the Plater sisters. <laughs> it's, it's, and I don't call them by their name. I've got nicknames. You know, I was the nickname king. I'm yeah. coming up with nicknames. For yeah. People. What was it's, the name? It's Bam Bam, Bam Bam, Peanut Butter, yeah. and Honey. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's their names. Reason why it's Bam Bam is because when her mom was pregnant, I would I would be humming and singing on her stomach, and it was like she wanted she was going Bam Bam Bam. She was kicking and trying to get out of there. Like, what is going on? Get me out of was here! I want singing that bad. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. <laughs> she was like, "Can you stop?" It was horrible. And then and then peanut butter. So so so. I start picked up a habit of eating peanut butter out of nowhere, yeah. out of the jar. Mm. Yeah, you it, or your dog? Me. So it's kind of like you was the one having pregnancy. Well, pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> my brother told me Just, don't do that, but yeah, that's that's that, that's exactly. You know, we, go through, we go through it too, you know, as a male. You, you go, you you, you do. You yeah. really go through that. You feel your kids' mm. stuff, and so. Mm. I asked my daughter, hey, you know, are you pregnant? And she's like, nah, 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 I ain't pregnant, Dad. You're like, what are you talking about? You knew. You know what I'm saying? Yes. About a month later, uh, Dad, I got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I knew already. I, I was the, eating peanut butter. You got the 12 jars of Jiffy to the right so, of so, so, So then not even – it couldn't even have been six months after my granddaughter was born. Mm-hmm. I'm back to eating peanut butter and – now I'm mixing oh, it with honey. Oh, so man. if you guys want to put on some weight, Rico, yeah, yeah. Sweeney, if you want to put weight on, oh, I know that's it. peanut butter and honey will do it. Man. Okay? Good weight, it. too. Yeah, okay, so really I start days. mixing the peanut butter. I put the honey in it. Oh, it's, I still eat it this day. And it, I mix it up, and I'm eating peanut butter and honey. I'm like, um, Deja, uh, is, you, you pregnant again? You know, and, and you know, her and her husband, it, it's, it's all good, but... She's like, no, Dad, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> you sure? You knew. I knew. Not even a month later. Here she comes again. Dad, bam, bam, I'm pregnant. Butter and honey. So, at, so, at some point, she was probably just like, you need to stop asking me these questions. Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> Listen, so I mix. I mix. I, I, now I, I do all of that. I do honey, peanut butter, right? I mix it up, and then I eat it with chocolate milk. So I'm waiting on little chocolate milk. My grandson, mm. the first grandson, he's coming. We're going to call him little chocolate milk. Okay. Yeah, okay. Chocolate My milk, man. baby. My man. Hey, That's come on. Up. Come on, Daisy. That's what's up. You, you, and, you and hubby, make it happen, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> we need them little soldiers. That's the truth. Little gym. Generals and little nurses and doctors and stuff like that. Yeah. AD, talk about practice. And during practice, what was going on? 
you know, I'll say this about practice, but I'm, I'm going to answer the other question you asked before, too. The NIL, there's a place for it. Needs more regulation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. As far as the transfer portal, it's always been going on, not at this pace. Um, even the young man that transferred, the receiver transferred from Georgia to go to Alabama to play receiver, you just beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. It just shows you things are different. That's something none of us would even thought about doing. It's somebody we just beat for exactly. a national championship and then go to that school. Yeah. You know, but it's different. Their mentality is different. Practice, VJ, whole nother animal, man. Mm-hmm. Practice, were like live scrimmages. Yeah. And I know little bro Irwin was the same way when you were oh, there. Yeah, most definitely. They were live scrimmages. And Coach Brown, who was me and Vershawn's, both of our coach, whether it was one-on-ones, whether it was seven-on-seven, whether we went over to the scout team area, it was – you had the mentality that it was live. It's kind of like when people practice in war games, you always got to assume there's live ammo. Mm-hmm. You always had to assume you're going to get lit up. Oh, yeah. And you did. It was very competitive. It man. was competitive. It was, it was, it was harder than the game. Yep. It had to be in order for us to win the game. You know? Yeah. Practice can't be easier than the game. Mm-hmm. Practice has to be hard. And it was. It was It was intense. I mean, every day. Every it wasn't day. a day. Special teams. It wasn't a day that you wasn't ready to come out there and play and get and play on that field for Nebraska. And mm-hmm. that's the thing I think we had a lot that we got to respect from Coach Osborne. People wanted to play for that man. You know? Yeah. People wanted to play for him. People wanted to play for Nebraska. People want, wants to play for who came after him. If you were to – was going to come in and – bring that same intensity and have that same type of mentality and bring that to the players on the field. So. Mm-hmm. That, that was, that was by the way, Soderham text line is open. Uh, Honda Lincoln hotline is open as well, 464-5685. Uh, we're going to bring in Sweeney. What's Irwin. Up? What's up? Sweeney. Man, glad to be here. A.K.A. Sweets. Already with the OGs. Man. Man, it's good to see you, brothers. Man, so, you know, even though this is an E-to-B-D receiver committee, I felt like, you know, having Sweeney, because next week we're going to be doing cornerbacks. Okay. And since he's in Lincoln a little bit, I figured I'd have him in the studio. That's what's up. up. Erwin, me and A.D. was sitting here and we were talking about cell phones. Mm -hmm. And we were saying, A.D. was saying that, if the student athletes of today would put the effort in in their particular sport, mm-hmm. craft, mm-hmm. football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter. Yeah. If they put the same type of effort in that they put in on the cell phones, yeah. how good they would be. Do Man. you agree with that? I definitely agree. I remember when I came back and I walked in the locker room and they had the games, individual games in the, each locker. The stations, that's that's so distracting. It looks good, hmm. but it is so distracting. How can you focus? How can you possibly focus on your task at hand with that distraction in in, in front of you? You know, right. uh, it gradually came to where we had the little lounge with the little pool table. You know, that was that was cool. You know, but there's a time and place for everything. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, <clears throat> they got to put the phones down. They got to put the phones down. They got to. They got a distraction. They got to stop with Twitter. Instagram, WhatsApp, what's the other stuff? TikTok. Oh, man. TikTok. What's the other stuff? Come on, Rico. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Snapchat. You know, nobody's on Facebook anymore. If you play for Nebraska, that is a distraction that can't be a distraction anymore. No. Every You have to block out the noise. We're the noise. Yeah. The media. The media is the noise. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you got to block it out. In order to be successful, you have to block the noise out. And the cell phones, is, this is the noise. It is. Yeah. We got to block this noise out. They got to say to themselves, now is the time for us to focus like we focus on these cell phones, like mm-hmm. we focus on Grand Theft Auto, yeah. like we focus on what's the football game y'all play? Madden. What's Madden. the What's the other game y'all play? NCAA NBA. ain't coming what's out yet. The NBA 2K, Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Yeah. Call of Duty. Yeah. All of these games, Fortnite. All of these games that <laughs> I don't think they be playing Fortnite anymore. Nobody's playing Fortnite. I mean, they are, but they ain't, they ain't, they ain't playing Fortnite. Anymore. Oh, yeah, they play Call of Duty. Oh, Call of Duty. So you saying Fortnite's also obsolete now? Yeah, yeah, probably. Stop. COD is what they're really into right now, man. Yeah. That Call of Duty. Yeah, Call of man. Duty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The way the time that we spend on Call of Duty, Fortnite. I said it again. Call of Duty, oh, Fortnite, all these other crazy games. If we just dedicated ourselves to say, okay, if I can be on Call of Duty for two hours, I can go to the weight room for two hours. Yeah. Mm. Extra. Yep. Not what you, Coach Duvall. Coach Duvall gives us this much. 
We're only going to do what Coach Duvall does, and then we're going to leave. No, that's not how it works at Nebraska. After Coach Duvall gives you your workout and you finish that, now it's time for you to do your other workout that helps you become a champion. Right. Right. Yeah. That part. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Sider Heyman text line. I'm with Aaron Davis. Aaron Sweeney's in the building. Rico's in the building. Rashawn Jackson, the captain. The ticket, 93.7. Back with Rashawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What y'all know about that? Turn it up a little bit, Rico. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Oh, re- oh, wait. Somebody knows something about that. Papa's bowling Chance to see you. What? Nothing but. Mama, I'm depending on you. Tell me the truth. Look at Rico. The plane. Papa was a rolling stone. Yeah. I got brothers, man. I got just nine of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> He's a Rolling Stone for yeah, real. For real, man. That's why I love that song, because my daddy was a Rolling Stone. <laughs> I'm trying not to be a Rolling Stone. For real, man. man so far, I've been great. Thank, you. Thank goodness you had me, sir. <laughs> My dad for used to always say, uh, you was made from love. He always used to say that to us. You made was made from love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> to let us know that, you know, it was still love that, That's that right. made you. So, <laughs> so, 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 Sweeney, I mean, I, and, and we'll talk a little bit more too, but Aaron Sweeney, when we look at practice, if you, if you get paid, mm-hmm. do you practice harder? Or softer if you get paid coming in. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If I was getting paid when I came in, I most definitely would practice harder. You <laughs> would. would. You I would. would. I would. But you're not the same as the kids that we didn't have these glue tubes True. growing up, right? True. Mm-hmm. We were cut from a little bit different cloth where we wanted to be outside. To this day, yeah. I want to be outside. Yeah. yeah. I don't care if it's cold. Yeah. Doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I would rather be outside. That was punishment if we couldn't go outside back yeah. then. Oh, <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> Don't leave the yard. Are you oh, kidding oh, me? Oh. <laughs> Come in when the lights are on. Mom, for yeah. real? Yeah. Help us out. Can we just be? So this day and age, though, I've got kids that I know. It's in my family, little cousins. And they do not want to go outside. And that's the problem. I was telling my daughter that and everything. This, you know, that's where you get your motor skills from, you know. When you go outside and you're playing, I don't care if you're riding a bike, regardless of the, what it is, you develop your motor skills from that, you know. Mm-hmm. The consistency of being outside, running around, jumping around, playing, shooting hoops, doing all of those things, you know, you are gradually getting yourself ready for when you do and you are out there on that field and playing at that level in those sports. It comes from right. that. I, I, I dedicated my um, uh, in the news feed before about the times when I was young and how often I was outside playing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about I was doing everything. Right. Everything. You don't know that you are. These kids that sitting around in the house, you think you got muscle memory? Mm-hmm. No, your muscle memory is it's the controller. Right. L2, R2. L2, R2. <laughs> you got great muscle memory with that. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no muscle memory developing when you, when you yeah, sit in the house on the couch. Yeah, it is. It's thumb muscle memory. Your thumbs. No, bro. No. As Rico, he know. He, he put in five hours a day hey, on hey, Call hey, of Duty. Hey, watch out. Watch out. Watch out. I was outside all the time. I was doing both. I was outside all the time. I was playing video games. Video. I was I was I was ambidextrous when it comes to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I got the, I got them thumb muscles, but you know I got I got I got them leg muscles too. It's good. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So on the Honda uh, on the Honda Lincoln Hotline, call in right now if you got some questions for Aaron Davis or Irvin Sweeney. I'm, this is the first time I open it up for questions mm. for the call in, so they can call in and and, and, and if you want to text, you can text in as well. Uh, Corey and Lincoln says fade to black outro. <laughs> Heck yeah, BJ. <laughs> you know about that. Corey? Um, uh, Pecan Pie say, BJ, go ahead. You know what you want. Ask Sweeney if he kicks the extra point or goes for two. Now, 
Let me set the stage for you two gentlemen. Oh, 83? Mm-hmm. Talking about 1983. Oh, okay. You're the head coach. Now, I listen, I've changed my stance. Mm-hmm. I'm going for two. But yeah. <laughs> I was trying. To, I was trying to do. You, you kick the extra point. You get the, the tie. The, you win the national championship. You don't you're a national win. champion. If you tie, you did not win the game. You don't win. You, you didn't win the didn't game, win the but game, you win the championship. But you're the champion. You do win the championship, though, AD. That's a tainted but, ring. But the thing man. is, but the thing is, you also <sighs> you didn't don't Nin- lose the game. Listen, 1971 or 70, I think it was Bob Devaney's first championship. There was a tie on the record. Mm-hmm. So, still a championship. You're the coach. We'll it start, just didn't we'll happen in the you. last game. We'll start with you, AD. You're the coach. I'm going to make myself. You, are you I'm, going for I'm it? I'm going for the win. Going for the win. Sweeney? It's depending on how my offense was playing the whole game. They're balling. It's the scoring explosion. Uh, I'm so, going to leave it in the hands of my offense, man. I'm going to go for the I'm gonna go for the tie, man, and leave, put it in the hands you of my go, offense. You're going to go to the what? For the what? I'm going to go for the field goal. Kick the extra point, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, listen. If At that point, you kick the extra point. I don't think it was too much time left on the clock. I don't believe. I think it was It was not that much time left on the clock. Mm-hmm. We'll figure that out. Uh-huh. But here's my, my point. You win the championship. Mm-hmm. I finally got one that thinks like me. You know what he's saying, right? If you kick the field goal, it's a tie game. It's a tie yeah, ga- game over. Back then. But you've uh, tied with Miami. Back then, the, the well, game. because you were rated higher, they would have gave you the championship. If you just oh, tied with definitely, them. I'm kicking the field goal. Now, if kicking you go the extra for, point, now, if you with go, that knowledge. Now, if you go for two, uh-huh. you're the outright national champion. There ain't no tie. I'm, but if you don't get the two, I'm kicking the field goal. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to not go for the, go for the two, and then you know, don't get it, and then I'm gonna look like the. Man, I might go home. Tio got a lot of heat for a lot of years, and still does at times. But I guess. Everybody's opinion is different, but for me, I don't want no ties to my record, man. I'm I'm, I'm going for because there's always me someone say, "But what do you think about this in '97?" I mean, we shared. Think the about '97, exactly. I mean, think about '97 with I, Michigan. And Michigan would. We, 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 first of all, they Michigan wouldn't have beat. They would have exactly. beat the break. They would have got Michigan. mopped. We, yeah, forget oh, yeah. about they it. They would have got mopped. Yeah. Forget about it. They would have got mopped. And here's the thing: they leap. We were number one just about all year yeah. until we played Missouri. And we needed the miracle to win the game at yeah. Missouri. Still won. But we did. We still won still the game. Won. Yeah. No ties. We won the game. Yeah. So they. So then all of a sudden we play them, we win, but they leapfrogged us or, or Michigan over us in the AP poll. Which is yeah. ridiculous anyway. I mean, AP versus coaches. coaches. I go with the coaches. Yeah. If the coaches had gave us the AP, I would have said, you know what, time, de facto, it's Michigan. Right, right. But they gave it to us. They knew. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the Southern Hammond Hotline. We got Jason on. Jason, what's up, brother? Hey guys, great show. It's good to hear from you, Husker Legends. Um, you know, I get excited. I start getting. I start smiling. I get fired up. I talk about when you guys talk about physical practices, and you know, I'm taking Nebraska back to the commitment level that it took to have those glory years that we kind of look back on longingly now. But then I remember. But around here, you know, ever since, and there's been some good football play. I don't want to glaze over the last 20 years. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.